Welcome to Shedding Light Hunting Stories Podcast, the podcast dedicated to the average Joe and their awesome hunting stories. I'm your host, Travis Williams. You're listening to episode 130. Hey guys, welcome to the show. Hope that you are having a fantastic week. Life's treating you well, that you're enjoying the outdoors whenever you can. Uh, I tell you, one thing I really enjoy sometimes during the summer is a little bit of church league softball, but the other day I had a scary moment. Uh, second base, uh, pop fly, kind of eh, medium deep, and I thought I could get back to it. I thought I had a better chance getting to the ball than what the outfielder did, and so I started running like crazy, and I was just about to close in on squeezing the ball in my glove, and my toe caught, and it turned my ankle, and I went down. And Laid there for a minute, and while I'm laying there, I realize my, my ankle's in pain. I know that I've rolled it, possibly sprained it or even more, and the, pop, the thought that popped in my head during that moment, no joke, is, man, I hope this doesn't mess with my hunting season. <laughs> that's, that's what came to mind whenever I'm laying there on the ground. I popped back up and uh, finished out the game, and it was stupid, and I played another game the next night and just got an x-ray, just a sprain. So nice and purple, but I think I'll survive. Uh So, yeah, I am looking forward to deer season. Anybody else out there getting excited? I know some of you might be gearing up, getting ready to go on some uh, western trips, do some elk hunting, and if so, I'm jealous. I wish you luck. Have fun. Be safe out there. Uh, Neat experience there a couple weeks ago. I did tell you guys there last week that we have started fostering. We have uh, three kids at home in addition to our two that... Um, two girls, and so we are crazy all the time. Not a lot of sleep with the baby, and uh, it's just been just been nuts. I'll just put it that way. But kind of a neat experience. Um, there was a fishing derby that they had in town during a homecoming festival, and little pond in town at the city park. And there must have been seventy kids around this thing, and I I just wasn't feeling very confident that we'd catch anything. Uh, so I had my four year old, and then I had the eight year old that we're fostering, and she's never been fishing hardly at all. Maybe once she said when she was two, doesn't remember ever casting. So I'm teaching her how to cast, trying to get everything so that she can do it all on her own. And uh, she's running a spinning reel, and I put on a rubber worm, trying to do something different than everybody else had a bobber and you know just a regular old earthworm and I night crawler. And I thought I'll try the the rubber worm. Well, it wasn't working. And she's like, "Can I just use a bobber and a worm like everybody else?" I'm like, "Well, nobody else is catching fish, but if that's what you want to do, go for it." So we cast it out there. And sure enough, within about five minutes, all of a sudden, her bobber goes under. I'm like, pull, 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 and she yanks, and I can tell she's got a decent fish on the line. Sure enough, she reels in. Uh, He's probably a 15-inch catfish, maybe a little bit bigger, I don't know. But uh, nothing, like, gigantic, but a nice catfish, and her first fish. And this girl was just absolutely pumped. Um, And I was thrilled for her. And she actually won fourth place in this contest. (laughs) She got a trophy, and she got $10, and she was absolutely stoked. So just kind of a neat experience. The funny part was my four-year-old, she was ticked off because she's used to catching fish whenever she goes. She fished and fished and fished, couldn't get a catfish. So eventually, in the last five minutes, we threw on a real small hook, threw on a little tiny worm, and she caught, I think, the smallest little fish that I've ever seen in my life. It was probably about a two-inch minnow, um, <laughs> something that she caught. But she was happy after, at least she caught a fish. So exciting stuff there. But, yeah, no, looking forward to the fall. Uh, really uh, excited for that. Um, getting things lined out and getting bows ready, sighting the, the bow in and just ready to roll. So uh, today we have a great guest on the show. Uh, I have Cooper Hitchcock. Cooper is uh, a guy from southwest Missouri that has had some really neat hunting experiences and stories 
uh, and we get into a lot of different things today. We talk his first deer, some giant bucks that he's been able to take, an albino turkey, and a really special hunt that he's had with his grandpa along with his cousin. So there's a lot packed in this interview. I think that you are going to enjoy it, like always. Thank you guys so much for your reviews. Thanks for your ratings. Thanks for listening and sharing the podcast. I think you're going to have fun. Here is Cooper Hitchcock. Well, joining me from Southwest Missouri is Cooper Hitchcock. Cooper, how's it going, man? It's going good. Good. What's going on today? Anything uh, exciting, riveting? Uh, not too much. I've, I start college in about a week, so trying to get everything ready and then trying to fight to get some food plots and stuff in for deer season coming up. So just kind of oh, yeah. getting some, some stuff ready for the next couple of weeks. Cool. Now, are you going back to college or is this your first year? Yeah, so this will be my sophomore year. Sophomore year. Okay. And, and where do you go? Tell us a little bit about yourself. I go to Evangel University. It's in Springfield, Missouri. And I'm from about 30 minutes from there, from Bolivar, Missouri, just a small town, about 10, 15,000 people. But grew up here all my life. I am 20 years old and yeah, grew up playing sports in Bolivar and just hunting pretty much those are the, and going to church. Those are the three things I really did growing up. So. Yeah. Small town boy doing the, the small town things. So what's, yes, your, what's your major? Um, I, an account, I am an accounting major. Yep. And a finance minor. So. Oh, nice. My wife is an accountant, CPA. So that's, uh, Sweet. that's fun. Sweet. Yeah. Good deal. It's a good job. So um, what's, what's, I'm kind of curious, you know, it's been a long time. I'm getting older and I'm, I start counting the years since I've been in college. So how's it being going, you know, you're kind of preparing, getting ready for college, and then you're doing this summer prep. What's your summer deer prep been like this year? Well, actually, we, um, our family was able to purchase a farm this summer. So it has been a way different summer than normal. So just Mm -hmm. kind of getting prepped. And it was, it's a pretty rough, just wooded um, area. So really doing a lot of clearing and making some better deer habitat and putting some food on the property. But um, so yeah, it's a lot of just pretty much half of our work is doing stuff for more of the property. And then the other half we're spending doing deer work and putting in food plots, making trails, that kind of stuff. Gotcha. Well, that's cool. It's good. So it's kind of a family thing then. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, been awesome having everybody out there just working together. So uh, cool. Cooper, how did you first start getting, get into hunting? Has this always been a family thing for you or how did that, how did that work for you kind of getting into the woods, getting and excited about it? Yeah. So, um, I mean, my grandpa, his whole life has been a hunter and then my dad has been a huge hunter his whole life. Um, they really turkey population in Missouri when they first started hunting was extremely low. And so they were some of the first few hunters around here, kind of new guys that really started it up and then um, just have been hot on it for ever since. So then just being able to kind of being born into that and growing up, but I killed my first deer and my first turkey when I was six years old. Oh, so the same year kind of, kind of when my dad decided I was old enough and strong enough to handle a gun and everything. But even before that, I, they would love to go up to Iowa and pheasant hunt. And my dad had a backpack that he would strap me into and walk, walk in the fields on his back. Uh, just, so you were, you were born and raised in it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, just, and I loved it. So that's why he, he knew that's what I wanted to be doing and just kind of allowed me to do that. So 
So six years old, I've been gauging this. I, I'm glad we're having this conversation because I'm starting to gauge a little bit. I've got a five-year-old, um, and, of course, I've got some foster kids at home now too, but I'm mm-hmm. uh, not sure that they're going to be ready to hunt just yet. But the my five-year-old, like, I, I want to put her behind the 410 and get her get her ready, but I just I don't want to do it too early so that that – because yep. even though it's a 410, there's still a little bit of a kick there. So I'm, I'm yeah, kind of gauging sure. and weighing, like, when do, when's for the sure. proper time to – to do that but you were six and you were able to get your I first six, deer and I, I think my I went through three different 410 sizes so the first my first 410 it was a switch over between a 410 and a 22 rifle and it was just I mean tiny I think mm-hmm. I, I had to kill my first bird at 15 yards so it, it's a miracle that with being six and all fidgety and everything that I was able to we were able to get the bird in my dad had to pull some magic to do that yeah but and then just stepping it up small just slowly and then it was kind of a fight for me to go to a 20 gauge i think when i was around eight or nine i did not want to because i was scared of it but dad was able to get me to it and that just totally changes the game being able to hunt with the 20 yeah for sure how did you get your first deer okay so um i can remember the tree stand now it was um on my grandpa's farm and so uh, it was just a actually a forky with a big kicker on its base. So just kind of a neat little deer for my first year. But um, so I was sitting on my dad's lap, um, had a 223, just a, about as small of a 223 as you can find and shot him. And we didn't really know if I had put the best shot on him. So um, we went back and had my grandpa's fam- famous pancake breakfast and just kind of all celebrating that it had happened and um go back out and we'd called our hunting buddy roy and he he's a piece of work he's got a about as big of a mustache as you'll ever see just a fun guy awesome guy and he was actually the corner of our of polk county at the time so we always kind of made the joke that we would call him to pronounce deer dead and just kind of stuff like that so just just having a good time and we go out had a good blood trail but kind of had saw some signs that we thought I may have made a little bit of a gut shot on him. So we get up and there's just a big old gut pile, like a five gallon bucket of just a, some, like somebody had gutted it. So my first thing, my grandpa was like, somebody came up, found the deer while we were eating breakfast and gutted it and took the thing. So we're all just, just mad. Just like who would do that? And why all the way up in here? And then at that point we're all talking and then crazy Roy's just kind of walking around the woods, you know, he's, he's Roy. So he's just walking around and then all of a sudden you just hear him yell and then a bunch of scuffling and the deer had actually jumped up and he didn't have his gun. I was going with the gun. So he, we were all standing back watching and he took off and tackled the deer jumped oh, wow. on it and and fin <laughs> and finished it off oh man so that was and six-year-old me i was just standing there like what is going on is this normal <laughs> just, yeah exactly i'm like is this how this and obviously it's not supposed to put a much better and clean shot but it was definitely an interesting way to get my first deer oh man with crazy roy helping us that's, that's sweet <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he, he did. He pronounced him dead. So that's, that's <laughs> yeah, what his helped, job helped. was. Yeah, he did. <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome. That's cool, man. So six year old, six years old when that happens. 
Uh, you're now in your 20s. So tell us some stories in between. So what's what's been some of your hunting experiences over that time, things that kind of stand out to you? And I mean, I assume that you've hunted like deer, turkey, and, and um, what else have you gotten into? Um, in the last couple of years, really, I've gotten into some duck hunting. So that's, I'm really enjoying that right now. But for sure, if, if I had to choose any type of hunting that I would just solo on, I would go turkey hunting. Just it's, there's something about it that that's just what I love. So, um, one turkey story I've got, um, I was, I think about 12 and the farmer on one of the places that we hunted had told us about an albino gobbler. And mm. I've seen several like hens that are kind of half mixed or kind of have a golden to them around here or even like a Jake, but they, they really have a hard time surviving just because they're so easily seen and stuff. So it's really odd to hear about a gobbler. So we, and we hadn't seen him. We just heard about him. Didn't even know if it was really true or anything, but we went out youth season and hunted hard that morning and just kind of no luck got on some birds. And then on this property, we just have this big old loop. We always walk that, and it's a bunch of draws and bottoms and big fields. And usually you'll strike up a bird at some point on that loop. And so right at the last field we got to, there was a huge flock, just probably 20 hens and I think six strutters. But right when you got over the crest of the hill and saw it, there was just, it looked like a ghost. I mean, he was strutting, they were gobbling. He was doing everything a normal turkey would do, but he was just full on white. So I, I was freaking out. My dad was like, Hey, we're, we're going to get on him. We're, we're, we're going to do this. And they were moving down this tree line. And so my dad has always taught me or my whole life is to get where the birds want to be. And so made a big circle on them, try and get in front. So make this big loop and we're crawling up to this tree line and we get there and they'd actually moved a little quicker than we had thought. So we pop up over these trees and they're about 20 yards, just heads up. They could hear us coming through a little bit and they knew something was going on, but kind of caught them at the perfect moment. So I had my gun on the ground. I was on all fours. So I had to jump up and throw up and find him and shoot him. And I don't know how I did it at that age, just being able to pull that off. But I did got him and it was just, just kind of a weird deal. Just seeing that white turkey, never seen yeah. anything like it. And actually just, he was flopping and just normally the blood from their head doesn't really go. Doesn't, it's not all that much or anything, but you could see it everywhere on his, just every little dot of blood was showing up on his feathers so we yeah. had to kind of hold it hold them down like we know we want to mount this thing so we're gonna hold them down and <laughs> quit quit bleeding on yourself buddy <laughs> exactly but then we so we ended up taking him to the taxidermist and got him up in our cabin now so that oh, was man. that was for sure cool and really rare thing i'll never do that for sure in my life so yeah i've never i've never seen an albino i have trail <clears throat> i think i have trail cam pictures but that would be that's definitely a, like a prize, you know, in some ways, just yeah. it's so unique and so rare. That's awesome. Yeah. And even his, his spurs were albino. He had red feet, but that was the yeah, only like, co colored thing on his body it was his, he had a red head and then red feet, but then his spurs were albino. Everything's just straight white. And I've, I've seen, I've seen other people on 
Instagram and other people that have kind of have splotchy or something that is close to a pure white, but have a hard time finding just a totally white bird. Oh man. You have to send me pictures of this. I want to see this guy. Yeah, it's sweet. It's sweet. I will. Oh, that's cool, man. It's a turkey hunting. That's, uh, yeah. I tell you, that is a lot of fun. It's just awesome being out there and enjoying the time with family and friends. And, uh, yeah, I, I kind of miss it. I mean, you know, a deer, I'm starting to look for deer, but I, there's just something special about the spring woods and being yeah, out there. Chasing. Now, sure. do you, have you ever done any fall hunting? I have, I've killed a couple of birds in the fall, but really just even after I harvested them, it's just kind of like, just not, it's not the same just having yeah. a bird strutting and drumming and gobbling into you. It's just not, not anywhere close. So kind of decided not to do that. I had all kinds of birds underneath my stand one year and I didn't, I never bought a fall tag. And so the next year I was like, I'm going to buy a fall tag because I had so many opportunities and mm -hmm. you know, I might as well do it and shoot one with a bow and say, I've done that. And the next yeah. year I didn't have any turkeys come anywhere close to bow range. <laughs> so yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm not, I'm, I'm out there hunting deer. I'm probably going to, you know, it'll be my luck that I'll shoot a turkey and a, and a buck will be in the distance watching the whole thing. So I mm -hmm, for sure. kind of given up on that myself as, for as sure. well. Yeah. Yep. Cool. And then uh, another turkey, just kind of, I guess you'd call it a story, but um, so 2020 when COVID hit was my senior year of high school. So normally in turkey season, I'm playing a lot of baseball. So it's kind of a fight to get in the woods and then get back to practice or games or whatever. But when that happened, it was just totally nothing's going on. You, they say we're in school, but you're doing like an assignment a day because nobody knew what was happening. It was just kind of yeah, so nobody weird. was prepared. Yeah. So I, I hunted every single day of the 2020 um, turkey season, taking friends and people. And so ended up I had I called in 11 birds that got killed that year. So that was just an awesome, awesome oh. year just to see that many birds. And just just with that many birds calling them in you can just learn so much of how they work and what they do similar to these birds in this situation or what caused a little bit of it to be different so Man, that was a really really fun year that's awesome i think i just figured out something so this past year was a tough turkey season for a lot of people it was hard to get on birds from what mm -hmm. i heard and, and i think i know why it's because there was guys like cooper hitchcock that went out in 2020 <laughs> and killed 11 birds they, and that's what we <laughs> We were, I didn't even go, but my cousin did go to Oklahoma, um, that year. And he said there was, it was just amazing how many hunters were in the woods yeah. just because everybody was stir crazy and they had the time to do it. So it was, there yeah. were a lot of hunters out there that year. And I heard, you know, that being your senior year, that had to be such a weird experience. And I heard so many people talk about how negative a lot of negativity obviously missing your senior year essentially but mm -hmm. spending an entire season being able to turkey hunt there are some yeah, perks to that yeah i'll never get to do anything like that again so just kind of kind of getting that sucky situation and trying to turn it into the best it could so yeah absolutely the only thing i ever wished about the COVID is that it would have hit like i like the turkey season that was fun getting out but i wish it would have hit like october it would have been great yeah you know, october yes. november so i would have gotten exactly month, uh, to rut hunt but yeah yeah that'd be sweet yeah <laughs> cool well kind of looking over your instagram I, I know also along with turkeys like you said deer are a big part of it and i see some pictures of some pretty nice deer that you're standing behind so what deer stories kind of rise to the top for you all right um i mean 
Well, this past season I'll talk about, um, I had, we, we had this place. It was actually, it's an old trailer park and we actually don't hunt there anymore, but it was just kind of a weird, there's just thick brush and then an old trailer park, but now it's abandoned. So it's just kind of a weird, weird place to be, but I mean, there's deer all over it. So, um, we were hunting it hard and we had seen some pretty nice deer, but the week before, um, gun season was bow hunting. And I think it was probably two o'clock in the afternoon, right when I got in the stand, just kind of putting my stuff up and getting ready. And I see, uh, just the body of a deer working a scrape about a hundred yards out and just see some flashes of horn. I'm like, man, he's probably a decent deer. He ends up cutting through the woods and um, getting that, I think it was 45 yards and it was a decently brushy shot, but um, I was shooting a crossbow. So I thought I was pretty comfortable with it. So took the shot, ended up hitting a limb and the arrow dove right under his belly. Mm-hmm. And it was, I, so he's just a big, big eight. And I, that really didn't scare him too bad. He just kind of walked off and just seeing that rack just is like, Oh, it just makes you sick. Just seeing him walk away and realize that you, you screwed up your moment. And a lot of times around here when that big of a deer, um, gets spooked, you're not, you're not going to see him at least for a while or ever in daylight again. Yeah. So, and my dad was actually sitting about 200 yards away from me on this other trail and calling him and telling him that happened just like gosh why why did I do that had to screw that moment up so rifles the opener of rifle season happened the next week and I was sitting with my um brother-in-law the first day and I told him I said any deer comes out you can take except for this one deer that's (laughs) that's the only buck I want I don't care I need redemption here yeah yeah, I don't care if it's 180 inch deer, you can shoot it. But if it's this deer, I'm going to shoot it. So we're just sitting and watching. We're sitting on a power line cut and seeing does crossing everything. And then all of a sudden we just hear just crashing through the woods like there's a tractor going through. And behind us, he was cutting across, jumped out and jumped into this field. And I had my binoculars in my hands looking at these does on the power line cut and just reaction he was sprinting across the field so I start bleating him and just trying to get him to stop and I just throw my binoculars up in the air just not even thinking about it and so we're sitting in this redneck blind and so I'm getting my rifle up and he will not stop for me and the binoculars smack the ground about as loud as you could ever imagine and they get him to stop. So it actually was the perfect thing to happen, but it's the last thing I would want before that. But it gets him to stop, just hits the brakes full on. Perfect broadside shot, was able to take him. And he was a just about as big of an eight as you see around here, probably. I think he scored 138 just for a straight oh, eight. Wow. Is, is a, a nice deer for around here. Just so was able yeah. to get the one that I needed redemption on. So that was a fun one to be able to have that on. 
Oh, yeah. That's cool. I mean, redemption is sweet whenever you get that second chance because a lot of times yeah. it's hard to get that. It's hard. Oh, yeah. You can hunt a lot of a lot of days and never get that opportunity again. So that's really mm-hmm. cool. Mm. Now, I'm yep. looking at one other picture. I'm just curious about this one because it's just neat. It's you and there's an older gentleman beside you, and both of you are doing the grip and grin with what look to be shooter bucks. So yep. what's, what's that story? Okay, so that is actually – my deer from this year okay. so that's that's that buck and then so i killed him opening morning and then the older gentleman is my grandpa and he is about 80 years old and so he he's been my hunting buddy my whole life so just going with him and i've seen a lot of turkeys and deer killed with him so actually that got back and um put him my deer on the meat pole and just talked about it and everything decided to go back out on his place and um got in the stand and kind of what had happened before with this deer um we were just setting everything up and there's this one specific corner on his big field um that these deer loved to cross in the rut they we never see them before that but when the rut's on they're crossing this going from this timber to the other timber so i always know kind of to keep an eye on that and it's a it's about a 275 yard shot from the stand so it's a it's a long ways and hard to see but um i caught a glimpse of this guy just cutting across real quick and just that immediate reaction of just saying papa it's a shooter it's a shooter just knowing just seeing enough rack knowing that it is so he actually was having a hard time finding him in the scope so i'm just and he's about to get into this other timber so i'm just telling telling him like he's he's five yards from the woods he's two yards from the woods he's telling him to get on and i still didn't think he had found him in his scope so i'm like oh it's he's gonna get in there and right before he jumped the fence in the other timber i'm looking over his shoulder trying to help him and just bang i'm like did you even see him oh yeah oh yeah i had him i had him and he did he just dropped and perfect shot from all that way out but that so that was sweet. a really that was a really cool experience just being able to be with him and then being able to have both those good size here and he he was actually I think it was a nine, but a, my deer was real wide. And then his deer was a pretty narrow deer, but I mean, the tines were real tall on that deer, just different for around here. We usually have more of a wide scale yeah. out on his, definitely on his farm with the genetics we have out there. So it was the two different kind of deer it was really cool to ha- be able to kind of put together and oh, yeah. That's harvest an awesome those deer on the same day. Yeah, yeah, that that's that's a truly like just special moment to have with your grandpa. I mean, for sure, yeah. And it's one of those I don't know. You ever see those? Uh, I think about like on Facebook, it'd be like, which deer would you rather shoot? Kind of thing. There's mm-hmm. like one that's like real wide and crazy, and then there's the other one's just like a unique buck. That's what this picture looks like to me. It's like you got your buck, and he's just wide as can be, just picture perfect. And then, yeah. I mean, it looks like your grandpa's buck has like a two inch spread on the, the exactly. beast, Yeah, it, he, but it it's almost just, touches. Yeah. yeah, but it's just cool. He's super tall. That's just awesome. That's really yep. cool. Yeah. So, but yeah. Uh, that's great. Well, let me ask but you. The, oh, go ahead. Um, you go ahead. You're good. Oh, no, I was just going to, you know, you, you have a lot of hunting experiences and things like that, but it seems like to me, a big part of your hunting is, is family. So I was going to have you kind of wrap this up a little bit, talking about kind of how family plays a part into your hunting and, and just what that means to you. 
Oh, for sure. Um, I mean, I love killing deer and killing turkey and making food plots and trying to grow 140, 150 inch deer. But I mean, nothing compares to be able to be out there with family and just create relationships. And I mean, one thing we do that it's my favorite moment of the whole year, instead of um, picking up a big deer, it's whenever we have our deer camp. So that's, I look forward to that moment more than anything of having friends and family all come out there. Um, just kind of, and that's why I really enjoy this podcast because it's a lot like th- that. I mean, just kind of sitting down talking about, Oh, you remember that eight years ago and <laughs> Roy jumped on that deer or do you remember, <laughs> you remember when I doubled up with you on those birds or whatever, and just being able to sit back and just kind of remember the awesome things we've done together in the past and the relationships we've built around hunting and just using hunting as just kind of the beam to lean on to grow together. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing like that. I think that's, um, I, I, today actually, I went back on YouTube and every once in a while, I just like to go back and look at shedding light outdoors, some of our old videos and sometimes little I won't say I cringe, but it's just like, oh man, you know, we're so much rookies at filming and all kinds of stuff. But there's one that it wasn't that long ago, about two or three years ago, uh, a muzzleloader hunt with my brother. And just I, this morning, actually, I watched that again. I, and it was just not the best footage of all time, but I just remember the moment. I remember being, I mean, I get so shook up with whenever I'm with other people. It's like probably even sometimes it seems like it's more shook up than whenever I shoot something, but oh, for just sure. being for there sure. whenever he shot a buck and um, just, there's just something special about being out there with family. It's a lot of fun to be able to do that. Yeah. Um, now you have a, I believe it's your cousin was, was going to join us today, but things didn't work out and hopefully we'll be able to get him on sometime. Uh, Trevor. Uh, yep. now I, I thought we could close with that since Trevor was supposed to be on, uh, the, here's your chance maybe to tell one on Trevor and then maybe later on I could have him on, but, uh, yeah. any, give it, give us a, a story with you and your cousin and we'll wrap up with that. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I wish Trevor was able to be on here, but hopefully he will be able to catch up with you and do one by himself. But me and Trevor, he is two years older than me. He's actually one year, but two years in school. So me and him have been just kind of born best friends. Um, and hunting is something that we both love so much. And so both grown up around it and just being able to hang out and do things together and kind of grow as hunters together has been very, very fun. But um, so duck hunting, we, me and him have really that just kind of ate off each other for that in the last couple of years have really gotten into it. I think he started three years ago and then he kind of was like, Hey Coop, you need to, you need to try it, man. It's, it's, it's worth, it's worth sitting in the cold to do. So, um, we actually, we Turkey hunt with, um, have you heard of Falco outfitters? Um, I've not known. It's, it's in Oklahoma, but a couple of the guys who own that and it's a duck and goose hunting place and they they had just kind of turkey hunting with them and they're like you guys need to try it if you're if you're this this hungry for turkey hunting you you'll enjoy duck hunting too so we i think we kind of finally fell into their trap and um, gave it a try but the last day of season this year my uh, 
dad had met a guy through his business and he had, just, had told him your boy should come out here and try it. He, and the, the famous line we always say he said, sometimes the birds come in heavy, sometimes they come in light. And so that's kind of what, <laughs> what we were, we didn't know exactly what that meant or what was going to happen. So we just kind of set up on this pond and uh, threw out our decoys and everything. And first light, they started coming in heavy. So we actually had, um, we limited out on um, mallards, gadwalls. And then, so we were on ducks, we were done. So kind of like, well, should we head home? And started to pack up a little bit. And then we started hearing the honking of um, some geese flying in. And it was a real cloudy day. Couldn't really see much. So just hearing them. And then they came in and just a perfect, perfect setup and just kind of just getting after them and ended up two flocks came in and we were able to limit out. So just being able to limit out on geese and ducks was a really cool experience doing that together. And just the two of us young guys doing that really was pretty awesome. Oh man. That sounds like one you'll never forget. I mean, just the trip, the being out there and experiencing that, that's, that's awesome. Oh yeah. Well, good, man. Well, you got me excited to, to do some, uh, Hunting with buddies. I tell you, hunting with buddies and hunting with family, that's something that it's like, I, I've talked about it so many times on this show. I love a solo hunt, but going out with other folks, that there's just nothing like that. That's just, it's like yep. you're on a mission together. I don't know how else to describe it, but you just have this common goal, but it's not even about killing. It's about the experience of being together. And that's, that's something I look forward to each and every year. Yeah, and I, I'm kind of hitting the age where I'd always heard my dad and my grandpa and all kind of the older guys say, well, I would, rather see my son kill something than I would and I would sit there and just be like are you kidding me like that's not true that's no way but now I'm like I would rather take my friend out and call in a bird for him and watch him kill his first or second or whatever bird that he's ever killed and you see the excitement and just be able to witness that it's just so much more fun than being by myself and I love having the peace of the woods and being out there but doing that with somebody else is it's astronomically better. Yeah, I agree. Well, Cooper, I, uh, I enjoyed the stories, man. There's some good ones there and I appreciate you coming on and I know you're getting ready for college. So I wish you a, a great sophomore year. Hope that you enjoy that. And, uh, whenever you get in the woods, I hope that you have a lot of success and enjoy your time there, man. Thank you, man. Enjoyed hearing Cooper's stories. He did a fantastic job just telling, uh, just his experiences. And that's, I love, I love hearing, these stories. We're 130 episodes in, and I still love hearing people's stories from all across the country, all over the world. In fact, we've heard different things. And um, if you'd like to come on the podcast, I'd love to hear your stories as well. Uh, send me an email, sheddinglightod at gmail.com, or send me a private message on Facebook, uh, Instagram. Just look up Shedding Light Outdoors. And uh, thank you for your support. Thanks for following. I just had this thought in closing. Um, nothing super dynamic or crazy today, but uh, this past couple of weeks has been a challenging couple of weeks. Um, welcoming three new um, kids into our home has been tough, tougher than what I thought it was going to be. Uh, tough on my wife and just a lot of lot of running, a lot of challenges, a lot of things that we didn't know about going into it. And so baby keeping us up <laughs> in the middle of the night. And I tell you, I have a lot of um, things inside me that are geared for this. And I think my wife does too. But Something I realized within the first three or four days is that just on our own energy, we flat out can't do this. Um, There might be some people that just have the talents and the abilities, but 
Uh, my wife and I both said, I don't think we can do this. Um, that doesn't mean that we're quitting. What, what it does mean, though, is we had to have some heart-to-hearts about how much time are we spending um, relying on our own energy and our own efforts instead of relying on God's energy <laughs> and what God does. Um, 1 Corinthians 5.16 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, giving thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God and Christ Jesus for you. So if you want to know what God's will is for you, first off, it's that you'll rejoice always in all circumstances. So to give thanks because you know that you're blessed. And I, and I do. I'm thankful that these kids are in my house because I'm learning and I'm being challenged and I'm not just leading a comfortable little life uh, anymore. <laughs> God blessed me with a few years of that. Um, and I, I treasure those moments, being able to hunt as much as what I did last year, being able to fish as much. But right now, that freedom's kind of been taken away. But I'm also I'm, I'm grateful for it. But the only way that I can truly be grateful for it is that middle part, pray without ceasing. Uh, my wife and I, we've, we've had co- some conversations about we need to double down on how much we pray. Um, and I'm not talking about, you know, at the beginning of the day, yeah, sure, at the end of the day, yeah, but just kind of praying throughout the day as we go. Little tiny prayers. Um, today, one of the girls needed to go to uh, the dentist's office, and so she had to have a tooth pulled, and I knew it wasn't going to be fun. So we got there, I prayed for her, and Kind of, you know, I know that she's not used to that in her family, but it's something that we do, and so we, we, we prayed. And it was tough, but she got through it. And there's just all these different moments where I'm realizing sometimes it's good just to stay connected. Um, my wife and I, we have a good relationship. We send each other texts throughout the days, different things, memes, things that we laugh at, uh, different things, and, and I stay connected with her. And I think maybe that's what God wants. Instead of just a prayer at the beginning of the day and a prayer at the end or maybe around lunchtime or whatever, um, just that, just checking in, just staying connected throughout the day. I think relying on that is helping us have some energy that I didn't think that we had. In fact, I know we don't have. So just something for you to think about. Um, don't know what your prayer life looks like. All of us wishes that our prayer life was better than it is, um, myself included. I wish that I had the prayer life of like a monk, but sometimes uh, I wake up and the kids are downstairs and I don't have a whole lot of time. And I think that's why this verse exists. It's so that we realize we don't maybe have to have like these one-hour prayer sessions where we feel like we're floating in the air, but maybe just little tiny, just little tiny prayers throughout the day where we just connect with God for a few seconds and just ask Him to help us through whatever we're going through and, and give Him thanks for the moments that we experience. Hope that's some encouragement for you, something for you to think about, maybe something for you to. Um, you know, add to your own life in some way. Thank you guys for listening. If you ever have any questions or uh, thoughts, or if you want to come on the show, once again, sheddinglightod at gmail.com. Thank you guys for listening to another episode. Hope that you come back next week for another show. And until then, remember to shed the light.